Alright, gentlemen, are we ready? Player one, start. Player two, start. Press start to continue. Doot, doot. Welcome to another episode of Geek Fanthology. I am your host, Neil Cordrand. I am joined this week by... The one true Ben. And... Mike. And today we are going to go back to the 90s. And the war that consumed us all. Or, you know... Yeah. Not consumed really. a lot of Mountain Dew and Doritos. <laughs> In the 1990s, war was beginning. You have no time to survive. No chance to Which, survive. Which, interestingly enough, was, uh, was a, uh, was a uh, Genesis. Yeah, that's right. So. That's part of the, the console war. Yep. yep. We're going to be talking about the 90s console wars, everybody. All your consoles are belong to us. <laughs> okay, apparently we're, we're coming down hard on uh, Team... Genesis at the moment, but no, we'll... ret- ret- retro memes is going to be another episode. Yeah, we'll right. save that for another episode. <laughs> uh, first, we have some uh, news. All the news that's fit to geek. Um, in sad yet hopeful news, Alex Trebek has uh, stage four pancreatic cancer. However, he seems upbeat and positive, and is determined to fight to the bitter end. He said in his announcement video that he can't die to, to pancreas cancer because. His contract states that he has three more that he has to host Jeopardy for at least three more years. So, uh, <laughs> I can see that death shows up. Nope, nope, still in the contract, man. <laughs> well, death was going to claim him, but he didn't but he form did. it in the phrase of a question, yeah. so he didn't, you know, didn't attempt <laughs> to read him in, in the form of a question. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you will come with me. I am death. Oh, nope. Yeah. So, who is death? You mean? Yeah, who is death? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Yeah. What is your time? <laughs> so, and then in less. But yeah, we're pulling for you, Alex. I I still want to be on an episode of Jeopardy that you host. So. Yep. Because you know, but then you can sing that song. I lost on Jeopardy. I'd like to not also not have to sing that song. True, but. Um, and besides, that men- that mentions Art Carney. Because he was the previous host of Jeopardy. But, so, then um, we have, we also lost um, Jan Michael Vincent, Star Bear Wolf. And crickets emanate from us. Yes, he he was, like, I'm only really familiar with, uh, I looked it up so that I could mention it. I'm only really familiar with Jan Quadrant Vincent 16. The uh, the internet the interdimensional movie from Rick and Morty. Um. Well, it's just one of those things where it's like, it was before my time, and it, I also didn't see it on reruns. Yeah, like yeah. for whatever reason, just... it just wasn't part of the programming. Like I saw yeah. some of those old shows on like Nick at Night and you know other yeah. cable stuff like mm-hmm. that, but I don't, for some reason Airwolf was never on. I'd yeah. heard of it. I just yeah, I've, I've never seen. I'd yeah. Like Airwolf was kind of a kind of a the answer to um, oh. Uh, Blue Thunder. Again. See, I, like I saw Wings. Thing. I remember Wings. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> totally different kind of show. Yeah, that was, yeah. No, Blue Thunder was a Roy Scheider movie about a police helicopter. They actually had a series about it. it. By the way, just as an aside, it seems like in the 80s, there's some sort of like a vehicle fetish. Oh, yeah. Like Airwolf, Knight Rider, Blue Thunder. Like, what is it, what, what is it with people being so just exhilarated about 
like cars and airplanes and helicopters and stuff. It's weird. Well, they're cool. Got, well, you got to remember too. That was about the time. Well, yeah, but I mean, an entire show based around like, hey guys, this oh, thing yeah. is kind of cool. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't I mean, know. it was the, the the that was the time when we were starting to see the beginnings of stealth technology. Yeah. We were just starting to see what helicopters. Yeah, uh, I guess it had kind of yeah, it had kind of yeah. a mystique to it because it was. It's what's thing. new and hot. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and especially helicopters and aircraft because you know. The beginning of stealth technology and things like that. Yeah. We we're just starting to see what those could do. Um, you know, but, um, yeah. It's, it's why, it's why in the two thousands was everything computers. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, for the exact well, same reason. Matthew most, you know, most, uh, <laughs> most well-known movies, war games, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What else we got? Um, um, Game of Thrones trailer dropped mm-hmm. uh, April fourteenth is the first episode of the final season. So a in a much you know an easy prediction, but an accurate one nonetheless. I'm like they're going to have that entire show finished before he puts out the next book. Oh yeah, oh, and yeah. he is officially George R. R. Martin has officially said, "Sorry guys, I'm working on it, but it's not going to be coming out in 2019." Just so you know, so that makes it official <laughs> when the the HBO series Game of Thrones is over. George R. R. Martin will still not have completed the sixth book. I'm starting to feel that pain from from Game of Thrones readers because I know it's Song of Ice and Fire, but whatever, fuck it. Uh, because Peace Talks has been in the works for like five years as well. Yeah, Although at the same time, Jim, Jim Butcher had a pretty oh, good reason, yeah. like had a he, list of good yeah, reasons. Like he got a divorce. He moved. Uh, he moved. He, he got, got married. Off, got married. Got ripped off by his contractor. Yep. Wow. So he did a lot of. So he. Events. So yeah. he didn't have an. He didn't have a office that he could write in for a while. Yeah. And his dog died. Wow. It's like <clears throat> many bad things happened to Jim Butcher. Yeah. And so far, he's up to, like, chapter 46 or so. And yeah. also, that's five years, not going on ten years. Right. And it's, um, and it's book 20-something in the series. It was, like, 2010 when uh, Dance with Dragons came out. Mm, let's see here. But, yeah. but I'm pretty stoked about the final season. Um, I really enjoyed the, the previous season. And I've, you know, um, loved the show. I mean, I've read all the books, too, and I love the books, but... Uh, I, I love the show as well. Uh, I mean, of course, it's you know necessarily diverged, of course, because they ran out of book for one thing. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all ends. And I, I, I must say, I got to give HBO props here on their trailer because I, I got exactly what I wanted out of the trailer. It hyped me up. I got to see some familiar characters. I got to see some cool shit. Dragons flying around, and mm-hmm. you know the tension, the, and the score, and everything that it's that it's known for. But it didn't give anything away, and it wasn't right. too long. <coughs> and it didn't do that thing, or it doesn't technically give something away. But if you have two brain cells rubbed together, you can figure it out. Therefore, it gives it away. Right. You know, like right. it had stuff, but it was like it was staggered and out of context enough that you don't quite know what it means and when it happened and blah blah blah. Right. There's a lot of ambiguity there, so it kind of serves its function. You know, whets your appetite, but it doesn't. It's not. It doesn't pull a Spider-Man Homecoming trailer where it's like, "Hey guys, here's the entire plot to the movie. Right. Have fun." <laughs> I love the movie, but my god, that trailer was tr- just yeah, terrible. Yeah, everything. Pulled everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, and um, the uh, the thing with the that that's a that's something we used to call um, back when I was in the Air Force. We used to call after the classification for it, unclass EFTO. Which is um, things that you don't want to give away because individually they're not much, 
but you put them together right and right. you have oh <laughs> here's what's happening <laughs> and well and that's what happens too when you have like multiple trailers and yeah. screenshots and everything else like you can cobble it together pretty easily you know? exactly unless so. they throw you a red herring like, you know, when they just have stuff that straight up doesn't happen. Like, remember Star Wars Rogue One? is like that TIE fighter is just, like, right. hovering yeah. next to her. Yeah, you're going, how does she get out of this shit? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, then it flat out does not happen. Yeah. Of course, there are things that, you know, don't happen in the tra- that happen in the trailer that you're glad didn't happen. This is rebellion, uh, right? I rebel. Yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was like rolling my eyes so hard they nearly fell out of my sockets. I'm yeah. so glad that didn't make the final cut. Me too. <laughs> but anyway, still, that's yeah, a that's, tangent. That's, yeah, that makes you go, okay, where did? Oh, this is what? Oh, what? You're talking about, you're talking about silly trailer. Silly trailers is a whole episode in and of itself. So could be, It'd be yeah. fun. Or just trailers in general, of course. I think it'd be fun to to really to really like sh- ape on and share our favorite bad trailers though. Oh, absolutely! Mm, yeah, out. the happening that was that's fantastic. I can show you <laughs> house. Mm. Mm. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a note here. We're gonna do a trailer episode. Yes, we break down good trailers, bad trailers, hilarious trailers, yeah. and. Uh, it'll be our first more interactive episode because we'll have to put links to all the trailers we're talking about. There you go. It'll be a multimedia... <coughs> fan, uh, multimedia extravaganza! Yeah. That's the right for. Extravaganza. <laughs> so, um, yeah, okay, so in other gaming news, um, Fallout 76 finally became a single-player game because only one player is left. That was a joke. Tumbleweeds. Many tumbleweeds. Um, but Anthem. Anthem has some problems. Um, he I, said in a <laughs> massive understatement. It, it was so, according to a recent so, um, in news that was released earlier in the week, people were complaining about um, Anthem completely bricking PS4s. EA has since come out with a statement I, I found as I was double checking that it's not bricked. It's just not working at the moment, and there needs to be a and there and, and a fix needs to be, um, which that so that's it's hostage. That, that's drawing a very fine. Well, the, the, theoretically, EA is working on it. Yeah, like it's not so much. It's not like it's not like the your PS4 is being held for ransom. It's that we done broke something, but that's still a really academic. But we promised we're, fi- we're gonna fix. Yeah, the only like, distinction on the hostage thing is that the intent wasn't to do it. Yeah, well, no, Obvi- but that's obvious. Yeah, yeah but of course they didn't. Doesn't work. <laughs> of course they didn't mean to brick your system. Which is why the <clears throat> I don't really care about the specific distinction of the hostage thing because that's yeah. essentially it. It's like, well, it's not gonna work until we we unbreak yeah. your stuff. Sorry. Also, it was released as like half a game with. Disappointing grind and tons of connection issues. Yeah, right. a lot of loading screens and. Um, yeah. and Even Fallout seventy six wasn't this bad. It, there's apparently a really good game in there that just can't be can't come out and play. Like, yeah, good graphics and like really good like, like combat and stuff it, and like. Angry Joe did a review of his like man. Flying around is so much fucking fun. Yeah. I wish I could do it for more than two minutes at a time without a loading screen. Right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Penny Arcade did a pretty funny comic about like trying to go through the grind of getting the game to work to go grind the disappointing in-game loot. Yes, the end game and is apparently like disappointing, it, but that's because yeah. it was pushed out the door by executives who didn't who wanted to meet a uh, a production date. Admittedly, Anthem had been in, in production for a long time, 
but it obviously needed more time to cook. Yeah. Project Red learned their lesson. Don't release a game before it's done. That was the that was the news I, I wanted to share with us. Okay. CD Projekt Red has officially booked time uh, at E3 to talk about something. Okay. The, <laughs> As I lean a little further forward, the <laughs> biggest and the, the 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 general the, the the general like yeah consensus among pundits is that they're going to announce a release date for Cyberpunk. Um. Now that is that is the. That, that is what everyone assumes is going to happen. But CD Projekt Red will be presenting at E3, which is interesting because E3 is kind of losing um, relevance. importance, relevance, because like Nintendo hasn't gone to E3 in like four years. Well, at least from a consumer um, perspective. I mean, it's really just an industry show again. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. Um, so, but so. yeah, so CD Projekt Red will officially be saying something at E3, and the people who... Are, whose job it is to uh, to speculate as to what they will say are saying that the math lines up that it's not, that that they think they'll probably be getting a release date for uh, for for cyberpunk and if you want to do even more extrapolatory math cyberpunk should be coming out either this year or next year if they follow a similar schedule to like they did with with the Witcher three. I'm sure a lot of people are tying strings together on their whiteboards or whatever, but yeah, <laughs> I All I just yeah. it'll it'll happen when it happens. It'll be announced yeah. when it's announced. I still want I really don't. I, ben and I both are very much looking forward to this game. All I, I have I to am say too. regarding that is is do not disappoint me. Bro, <laughs> just not share your optimistic outlook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not as like I think the last game I really got like. Super obsessed about like following it as it was being developed and announcements and stuff was Elder Scrolls Oblivion back when the Xbox 360 was a new thing. I, by the way, fun fact I specifically got an Xbox 360 because I didn't have a PC to run Oblivion. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna love this console anyway, and uh, I really want to play Oblivion, and sure. so I did, and good times were had, and I regret nothing. Um, in other gaming news, short gaming news, um, as of the recording of this episode, um, uh, Is, I'll give Path, you the, I'll Path, give the, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. Path of Exile, um, version 3.6, uh, Synthesis League has released, um, and it's a lot of fun. I'm not quite sure about the league mechanic this year. It seems like, it, it seems underwhelming compared to that, to, to, Last to last league's mechanic, but I will take your word for it. Okay, it's fun. I know Path of Exile is a is a fun hack. And ARGs slash are fun, game, <laughs> and I don't know anything about the like intricacies of like the leagues and seasons and whatnot. Yeah, well, there's a new league every th every three months, pretty much. Yeah, and it will always have some sort of new mechanic that may or may not carry over into the main game once that league is over. But that's all. Um, that's all the low-scale gaming news that I've got. Uh, the only other big piece of news I think we have is that um, so Critical Role has made like six million dollars on know, Kickstarter. Yeah, I've been following this. Kickstarter's very, very happy about this because oh, yeah. they get, I think, ten percent. Well, it's not uh, that much. No, they're they are actually okay. <clears throat> um, Critical Role broke off from Geek and Sundry and created their own production studio. 
Yeah, yeah, that was wild. because they had to. Mm-hmm. So all of this is going through into that production company. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Kickstarter must be happy because Kickstarter. Oh, Kickstarter is because Kickstarter 90%. gets about I think ten percent of. I thought it was only like three percent. They get like three to five. Or no, five. No, it's like five percent. Yeah. I, I think GoFundMe is GoFundMe is like three percent. Kickstarter is like five percent. Kickstarter yeah. is the more ex- expensive of them, but they're also the most well known. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I looked at their. They have a. They have a pie chart on the. Um, on their critical on the critical rules Kickstarter, and it says like nine percent of it is processing and stuff, and that includes everything. That's Kickstarter. It's all the credit card transaction yeah. fees. It's all of the credit card transactions. So if everything good. combined is nine percent, there's no way in hell Kickstarter is taking ten percent. No, no, um, uh, no. You you end up getting ninety percent. Five percent goes to Kickstarter. The other three to five percent goes to yeah, five percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was what that was where I was getting ten percent because I did the math one, once upon a time because I thought about launching a Kickstarter for a thing. That I ended up not launching a Kickstarter for. Um, <coughs> so uh, this yeah. was like <clears throat> six years ago, <laughs> right? So I'll, I'll give I'll give the breakdown here. Obviously, it's a it's a developing thing because it's an ongoing campaign. But uh, I'm the the resident critter here. I've I've seen uh, all everything. <laughs> I keep up with it. Um, the uh, so the Kickstarter is called the Le- uh, Legend of Vox Machina. Uh, if you find it on Kickstarter's technically Critical Role, then Cullen, The Legend of Vox Machina animated special. You can just type in like Critical Role or Critical Role Vox Machina to bring it up. And off, you probably wouldn't have to do that because it's going to be on the front of the page trending like all mm-hmm. day or a day. <laughs> right. But anyway, uh, what, what it is is... C. Critical Role! Oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's bringing... This has been something that um, the, the fandom knows the, the critters has have been uh, coveting for some time, and the cast, of course, was very excited about as well, which is making an animated special based on their uh, their D&D adventures. And, of course, the cast, many of the cast, some of their first jobs were in voiceover animation, so it's near and dear to their hearts, and they enjoy it, and they they do it well, and all that good stuff. Uh, Anyway, um, the funding... Not only is it just big CR news, it's big news, and Kickstarter is big news in general, because... Of Kickstarter, um, this breaking Kickstarter records, and uh, this is going to have a snowball effect where we already had a big D and D renaissance going on yeah. with the streaming and the sales of Fifth Edition and all this other stuff. But now it's going to be taken to a whole new level with the mainstreaming of it because this is such yeah. a such a runaway success that they are probably they're ultimately probably going to get some kind of distribution deal with like a streaming service or something. It'll probably end up going on Netflix. And then that's going to expose it to the wider audience. Mm-hmm. And just all the people that are interested in Kickstarter stuff are going, oh, what's this D&D stuff about? And so, yeah. you know, I, I think that's cool. Not just D&D specifically, but just like tabletop gaming and that kind of stuff in general. Like the whole community is going to get, you know, boosted they get, by man, this. Damn, yeah. they got so much. But anyway. Like so many people have so much money to well, yeah, and throw at things. Here's the thing. I, the, I next, the next largest thing for this was... MST3K, yeah, which I backed. So. Yeah, the revival for MST3K was the reigning champ until yeah, this I, came along. I, yeah, I, I, I am one to talk. At that point, I backed it for like 120 bucks. Too. Uh, yeah. Well, and the thing is, is the, and I, I read a, an article that uh, about about this. Sam Regal um, was talking about. You know, we had expected that we might reach a million or two or something like that. I like think he said on the like their their wildest dreams was three million. Yeah, that was the that was their yeah. And know, they blew through their estimate. they blew through their their initial goal 
in an hour. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the funding goal was $750,000, and they got a million in under an hour. Yeah, and I mean, and, and you know, and I love, this is the other thing I love about the, about the folks that are associated with Critical Role. Sam was like, we, you know, we had this expectation, and the fans just proved us wrong. You know, the fans overwhelmed us with, you know, uh, with their support. And because Critical Role has always, you know, everything I've always seen about Critical Role, they have always been very, very um, humble. humble and acknowledging of the, of the power of the critters. Right. Well, that's that's the thing that another thing I'm not just as a fan because I'm going to love the content and all that, mm-hmm. but I like that it seems like as far as I can tell so far, it's all very transparent and being handled in a good way. Oh, yeah. They're not going to be one of these people that just like grab a bunch of money and disappear into the ether. Like yeah. they're actually going to do what they're saying they're going to do. It's like, mm-hmm. you know. And we're going to have to pause this for a moment while I go talk to the cable guy. All right, sorry about that, everybody. I think that was actually a false alarm. The cable guy will talk, probably be talking to me next. Thing. He's apparently talking to one of my neighbors. <clears throat> so uh, where were we before I cut so us out? So we're talking about uh, Critical Role and how they're handling the Kickstarter. Uh, right. <clears throat> so we kind of buried the lead here. So not only did it crush the record of how fast it raised, got funded, it crushed the, the record of total uh, funds collected. As we said, MST3K Revival, I believe, is around $5.7 million for that. And uh, Critical Role's Kickstarter currently, this is March uh, 9th, as we're, as we're covering this. Right. Um, yeah. It has still has 40 days left to go as of March the 9th and a 45-day campaign. So it's only been five days, and they have raised $6,728,962. There's 49,387 unique backers. That is crazy banana pants. Yeah. But yeah, I'm super excited because uh, not only, you know, uh, is the initial, like, pre-stream story going to be cool, but the Briarwoods arc was probably my favorite story arc in the first campaign, and uh, it's going to be super awesome. The uh, It's basically like a, uh, uh, like a vampire and necromancer type uh, villainous power couple. Uh, took over this town and they slaughtered most of the family of one of the player characters in his backstory. And up until the arc, they didn't actually like Talos and Jaffe plays Percy, the character in question. He just knows the Briarwood as a name, and there's a few vague things. So then, you know, yeah, Mercer, Matt Mercer, the DM, he took that and made something completely insane. And right. now it's his turn to be in the spotlight, and a lot of crazy shit went down. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see that animated because it's going to be really awesome. Yeah, and and Talos and Jaffe is as a as a voice actor because in watching him on L.A. by Night and watching him as Percy, he can carry a lead. Yeah, his guest spot in L.A. by Night was probably my second favorite episode. Um, the first episode of X was my favorite one. X is amazing. X, X is fantastic. Oh, X is, yeah, X is <laughs> hilarious. And the, the picture-perfect Malk. Mm-hmm. Although my personal favorite, just because I was like, I could follow this person, uh, you know, was uh, when they had the uh, the Setite. Satine Phoenix play. Ah, uh, yes. That whole, because you want to talk about in character, that whole thing with her and... Uh, her and um, Annabelle. Annabelle. Everybody else is talking, playing, and they're just doing that thing with the hands. <laughs> Still role playing, very quietly. I'm just going. That's 
fascinating, you know, playing with the, the brush and the, you know the time. And I'm just like, okay, are they in character? Are these two? Are these two voice actresses going to get off? You know, go off screen and make out? <laughs> you know, it's like they were making out with their hands. And I'm just like, that's so interesting. And just you know, just and I, I just love the characters. It's like, oh, this happens. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that will be another episode because all three of us are on the same page on that. We're all crazy about the LA by night. Yeah, it's it's oh, really good. So show. good, yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, Critical Role, season two. TLDR, the Kickstarter is crushing records. They're going to make some awesome cartoons. Fund it if you can. If you can't, share it because it's going to be sweet. Best goddamn cartoon ever. As Sam Regal put it. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> Animaniacs. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, so. He's being very tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's pretty much all the big ones. <clears throat> yeah. Um, all right, so. Let's get into it. Alright, so spoiler of the week? Yeah, spoiler of the week. Ah, um, yes. Console Wars. Console Wars never change. Because we're, we're talking, we're going to be specifically focusing in on the Console Wars of the 90s. Um, because Mike and I are both 90s kids. Yeah, 90s kids. And I was around for the 90s? <coughs> yeah. So we're all three in, or around in, in, for the 90s? In, in, uh, in, in addition to other decades. He's young at heart, people. Uh, <laughs> Obligatory Ben is old, Jim. Yes, I was, the, that was where I was headed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not an episode unless someone yeah. says I'm old. <laughs> we even made fun of your age in the episode you weren't here for last time. That was how obligatory it is. That's how committed we are. That's how much we care about you. Yeah, how much you care about yeah, making sure people know I'm old. <laughs> hey, at least we've never actually bothered to disclose your age. Uh, I think it's come up. I think it's come up. Although I was the one who disclosed that. Yeah, right. right. I would never be so gauche as to tell everyone how old you are. <laughs> or aren't. <laughs> um, in any case. Um, so, allegiances. Yeah. Um, Super Nintendo all the way. Also, Team Super Nintendo. And okay, but we gotta remember what this what this two basic sides are. Super Nintendo are. and Sega Genesis. Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, yes. And then, of course, I have to be the rogue, and I go PlayStation. Because the PlayStation really did kind of come we in and those wars. What do some weird things? And hey, my external battery pack just died. Right, That's right. fun. Yeah. That's not a big deal. Um, I've got an actual battery. I just need to like momentarily. Turn on my PS4 and... Okay, yeah. <clears throat> Ooh, yours is all solary. <laughs> because, of course, you'd have a solar-charged uh, solar battery pack. Mm-hmm. I am wonderful. going to have to very momentarily, just because otherwise I will forget to do it, turn on my PS4 because it already has the correct kind of charger cable clipped up to it and plug my battery back in. I love that you guys are Super Nintendo and you're plugging in your PS4. Hey, <laughs> I was team Super Nintendo for the 90s uh, era, but PlayStation does in fact make, at least in my opinion, the superior uh, system. And Mike disagrees. He has an Xbox. Yeah, that's not really true. <coughs> I don't disagree that it's the superior system. It's the superior system. I The real reason I got an Xbox One is because, and this is so ironic, because my brother was going to be going Xbox, and then he never really did. I don't even know if he ever actually got an Xbox One. He's like, he didn't have time to, to really game much anymore, and he still had play games on 360 he hadn't played, and it just never happened. 
Now, it's, it's a fine console. There's nothing wrong with it. But if I could do it over again, I would have chosen PS4 in a heartbeat. Yeah. Although I do, I, I do enjoy, I, I do really like the Xbox One controller. And I like the Kinect, despite the fact that it just didn't catch on. Which, if it had, would have been mm-hmm. a lot better. Anyway, and that's in all honesty, I'd probably if I if I had to do over again at this point, I'd probably get a Switch. Um, yeah, Switches are pretty awesome. Switch is really good. My brother has a Switch, and at some point, he and I are going to do a trade because he wants to play my PS4 games, and oh, I want to play his Switch games. Hey. So, so right is the spice of life. Right, and so you know, you guys are talking about this, and I'm sitting over here. I am the PC master race. I regret nothing. I still have a PC and still play it proudly, but there are some games you cannot play on PC. Well, see, I was, I kind of, I played both. Even though PlayStations and Xboxes are pretty much just computers that yeah. have a Well, if we're talking about back in the 90s, I, I was PC Master Race as well. It's just that when I console gamed, it was Super Nintendo all the way. Because yeah, I, I played like Warcraft 2, that was 94, so that was when the PlayStation started coming into the picture shortly before it did. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. the reason we had a Super Nintendo was because we had a Nintendo. my cousin Rob <laughs> um, no longer needed his because he, w- because he was a proud member of the PC Master uh, Race. This is way, the same just, cousin that now works for BioWare. Can I just, um, as an <laughs> here, just savor the fact that your cousin Rob granted you the powerful Super Nintendo, you know, the robotic operating buddy? Yeah. For those who aren't in the know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, um, Rob now works for Bioware. So your your cousin is going over and says, it's dangerous to go alone. Play on this. No, 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 no. I actually didn't have Zelda. Uh, I ended up having to rent Zelda at Blockbuster. Wow. Oh, oh God. This, which is, is, no, yeah, this is so, so 90s. Dis- which oh. is another 90s thing yeah. to say. Mike is over here clutching his chest. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, the pain. Oh. It's just, I'm drowning in 90s-ness. Uh, I remember that. Remember, Old blockbuster uh, video. Yeah. yeah, I remember. I remember um, renting Nintendo games, um, Chrono Trigger. Um, I was uh, I I was like obsessed with Mortal Kombat two for the Super Nintendo. I must have rented that a million times that summer. It did have the blood code. Well, so my my favorite yeah, all time favorite thing. though of all of them because I, I rented rented all the you know all the Final Fantasies that I could. I ended up owning. Uh, everything from you know uh, owning seven and eight, um, but my favorite favorite to rent was yeah. Rock and Roll Racing. Ah uh, yes, that's a Blizzard classic right there. Yeah, <laughs> Born to be Wild. You know, Born to be Wild always makes my foot a little heavy on the accelerator. <laughs> <laughs> you blow up your you know, and, and so we would have weekends where we would. Uh, oh, I love. Uh, we would have weekends where we would rent rock and roll racing. My friend, uh, my friend Ronan, best friend Ronan, would come over, and uh, so him, my wife, me, and our other friend Denny would play rock and roll racing most of the doing? way through Saturday night. When it came to racing games that era, I was all about F Zero. F Zero was my jam. Mm. So. Didn't really play much in terms of racing games myself, um, except for Mario Kart. Oh, yeah, Mario Kart, of course. Which, yeah, of course, you know. Yeah, that Mario Kart. I'm not really a big racing guy either, but I really enjoyed Mario Kart and F-Zero. Yeah. I don't know what you're supposed to be doing. There's Mario Kart. There's a lot of crossover there. It's not really... I mean, it's a racing game, like, technically, but it's, you know, it's an arcade 
silly thing, you know, it's not like traditional racing. Yeah. And the battle mode, of course, was great. Yep. Battle mode's where it's at, man. So, uh, to kind of frame the context for the console war and the allegiances and all that, Super Nintendo came, uh, well, Sega Genesis came out first. That was August 14th of 1989, thanks to my Wikipedia skills. And then Super Nintendo nearly two years later, August 23rd, 91. Of course, these are the North American release dates, because we are in North America. <laughs> That's where we played it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so almost a two-year difference there. So Sega had the jump on it. They had the, that window. But if, obviously, Nintendo had the coattails. They had the established you know, yeah. user base and experience and, and business relationships. Because how many people had a Sega Master System? Or had even heard about the Sega Master System? For that matter, because I have no idea. For that matter, how many people right now have heard of the Sega Master System? The only I will tell you, I can I can at least speak for myself in that the only awareness of the Sega Master System being a thing for me was that when I was a kid and when I was super young, um, my parents had recorded airings of the original Star Wars trilogy on TV on VHS, complete with commercials and everything. <laughs> so whenever I wanted to watch one of those movies again. I, you know, I actually had to, you know... You had to rewind get it in there. I had to, I had to, yes, I had to rewind from last time first. Then I had to buzz through other commercials every time I went to a commercial break. Yeah. But I, I, I still loved having the trilogy. Uh, and uh, the reason I bring it up is because one of the commercials was for the Sega Master System. I believe it was the Return of the Jedi airing, if I remember correctly. But that was my only exposure to that as a concept. Mm -hmm. yeah. And by that time, the Sega Genesis had come out anyway. I mean, that came out when I was four, for crying out loud. For, right. for people who have no idea what we're talking about, which is potentially a large percentage of our audience, um, the Sega Master System was, was Sega's 8-bit system. Right. Yeah. It was a competitor to the NES. None of you have heard of it. In a technical sense. Uh, <laughs> right. On paper. <laughs> yeah, on paper, speaking of which. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, because it was... Of course, at the time, you know, they also had... Um, they were trying to pull things like... Um, was it Altered Beast? Um, yeah. Which did not do well compared to Super Mario Brothers 3. Although, what's really interesting is Altered Beast is an interesting um, edge case because um, people talk about um, people talk about Altered Beast as like, it was, it was the pack-in system wasn't uh, game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the pack-in, yeah. A lot of people are like, yeah, it wasn't as good a pack-in, and that's true, but Altered Beast is widely uh, applauded by, uh, by people for being an almost exact uh, port of the arcade oh, game, fine. which was very uncommon. Right. Right, because up until then, uh, Nintendo didn't even have very good record with that. Yeah, it, it, that was because arcade cabinets had the best hor the best uh, stuff. Right. Yeah, like, I mean, there are some ports that were pretty successful. <clears throat> when you have hardware that is literally specifically designed to run this specific game... Right. <laughs> Only this game, right? Well, yeah, it's and, the whole proprietary nature yeah. of it, sure. Right. Yeah. Well, and... Um, what was I thinking about that? Because there was... That... Nintendo shot themselves in the foot back in the back in the early 80s with that. Because they... Some of their port-overs didn't do so well, like their Pac-Man. Yeah. Um... But also, I don't know. I had I had a I had a bootleg copy of Pac-Man, like 
wasn't a, I don't mean bootleg, I mean it was, it was not Nintendo's port of Pac-Man, it was some other company's port of Pac-Man to the NES, because the NES, uh, you could actually make carts that would play on it, even if it wasn't your, even, like, like you didn't have to, it wasn't a proprietary hardware read. Right. So you had a lot of third-party cartridges. Huh. Well, that was one. They, that was hard to do on the SNES. That's why so many people really. That's why the one of the more sought-after games is is ironically enough Super Noah's Ark, <laughs> which was a Doom clone, uh, except instead of shooting demons, you were feeding animals. <laughs> but it was literally a Doom clone wow, because okay. it had a thing you could plug another cartridge into on top so you could theoretically make third-party cartridges work on the Super Nintendo because they had a good lockout chip on the SNES. Right, okay. Well, and the NES also had the better <laughs> library. SNES definitely had the better library. I mean, there are really good games on, on the Genesis. Yeah. Um, but the SNES had Super Mario World. Which was like the ultimate pack and game. Yeah, right? which may oh. in fact be it, 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 it may in fact be the best 2D platformer of all time. I agree with that assessment. Yep. So and, and the other part of it was marketing. Sega Genesis went after the hardcore young male gamer. Yep. Super NES said, Everybody, come on over! Hey! <laughs> you know, yeah, you wanna a, play a game? <laughs> right. That was one of the two um, that was one of the big when you, now we're getting into the meat of the whole silliness of the console wars. Sega and, does what Nintendo <laughs> don't. Oh god. I die a little inside every time I see I, I love I love that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like basically Nintendo's as Ben was saying, Nintendo's like ground that they staked out was hey. Wide open platform, we're family friendly, blah blah blah. Yeah, come uh, over. And they've had years of that reputation, obviously. Whereas yeah. Sega is like, all right, well, we got to kind of do something a little different. Like, hey, we're the edgy company. Our mascot isn't a a friendly plump plumber. It's a it's a uh, it's a really fast, extreme it's a, sports hedgehog. It's a hedgehog with attitude. He's got attitude, and he's yes. wagging his finger, and he's got sharp sharp blades. Right. He's so extreme. He had he's spinning around so fast. Can you handle it? Right. <laughs> We're so extreme. Extreme. Your console will bleed. By the way, the Sonic the Hedgehog games are all very, very good. Oh, yeah. yeah they're um, they're well, that's, that's, that's my... my, my uh, if you look at the original Sonic the Hedgehog animated stories, yeah, the original Sonic the Hedgehog cartoons, they're dark and gritty. Well, not, that was not, well. There were two series that were produced co simultaneously with each other. There was Sonic Sat AM, which you're referring to, which was really, really good. And then there was the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, which, like, thinking about it right now, makes me want to bang, bang my head into a wall. Yeah, because it was like makes you want to vomit, like you ate too many chili dogs. <laughs> well, no, he's always liked chili dogs in all incarnations. Oh, okay. Well, that's not a big thing. Well, they played it up in that. Oh, Sonic, right. Sonic yeah. likes chili dogs. Right. It's like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing situation yeah. where it used to be crazy oh. violent and then it got all family friendly. Or yeah, whatever. let's give them different colors and make them eat pizza and cowabunga. Well, oh. I made that money. Economics. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, um, so yeah, that was the thing. I mean, like I said, I've completely lost track of how long this episode is going. By the way. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that was the thing. Is this, yeah, Sega was or Genesis was like. You know, super, super edgy. They had this very tiny little, you know, well, not tiny, 
but it's very sharply defined. Now I've got Mediacom calling me. Pausing again. So, we're back again until the cable guy interrupts us again. So much fun. Okay. Real life is hard. Ben, you were saying something about anime and video games. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so Nintendo uh, had access to. Uh, you know, first of all, they realized a lot of their a lot of their audience was in Japan. Mm -hmm. So part it's almost of, like they're a Japanese company. Yeah, no, yeah right. exactly. That made so, Hanafuda cards initially. If you want to go back far enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm up on my Nintendo trivia. I know they start with playing cards. <laughs> And they well, not just playing cards, but Hanafuda cards. Food of cards. Oh, well, I don't. Okay. Like, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a weeaboo, so. So it, it's yeah. a. It is a specifically Japanese uh, trick and matchmaking game. Like sure, okay. It the the I rules of which make no goddamn <laughs> sense to us to to me American. Um, so Nintendo had an advantage uh, in that they were getting really cheap uh, anime game licenses. So they can release their their games a lot cheaper, like the Tenchi Muyo game mm -hmm. and the Magic Knight so, Rayer. But again, game. I think also Nintendo's big big thing, and I think we were going to get into this anyways. Yeah, was their mass market appeal? Yeah, they were going for everyone they could possibly get into the fold. Mm -hmm. And what, like we were talking about, that showed in their. Mm -hmm. Mascots. And when your pack-in title is what we've argued is perhaps the greatest 2D platformer of all time, you have good mass-market appeal, because if anyone's bought your system right. on a lark, they'd be like, wow, this is an amazingly good game. Well, it's, the brand, it's the brand name and recognition of Mario Brothers. Yes. Because Nintendo Entertainment System busted the video game industry wide open to really have a real mass-market appeal. That's when it really started, mm -hmm. even though there was Atari and all this stuff before that, when it because, really got going. Because it helped to break the uh, the crash of, of, uh, of 83. Yeah. Okay, so I want to I bring something up about that, about the crash of 83, because that does come kind of bring into uh, into focus one of the things that caused that. Caused that. Um Basically, one of the things that Atari and Nintendo did uh, to start with to start was getting all those getting a lot of developers in on exclusive exclusivities, and it turned out that that was illegal, and that shot them in the foot. And I don't know. There, there are some. There are some. You know, with the research I did, because uh, some of mine came from TV trips. Okay. Well, that is a grand repository for all knowledge and wisdom, so... Um, Almost as good as Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, Which is not to say that it's not useful, it's just that it's... Oh, okay. Not so, scholarly. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that was... I think, even if Nintendo had been better behaved, it was just the bottom fell to the market then. Yeah. With, uh... Yeah, it was, a, it was an oversaturation situation. Yeah, the main problem... With uh, the main the main problem with with what caused the crash of '83 was treating this new thing like a market that had unlimited money and yeah. unlimited time, and it, they inflated a bubble. And it in a popped. word, it was hedonistic. Yeah, they right. just they just like hey, throw all the money at them, treat them like rock stars, and like. It was there's some pretty interesting documentaries about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, ET yeah. was not the problem. ET was a symptom. Yep. Not yet. Um, Probably so, getting a tool. 
<laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that, that. I think the next time I'm just going to step outside and let you guys talk. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that's all well and good, but what's what, what's the relevance for the '90s console war? Um, that's it, what the well, listener wants to know. Okay, so that I think school Nintendo coming into the '90s console wars. You know, because they they basically, I think that's why they came at, came at it with their wide approach. Because they knew it wasn't limitless, but they knew that that there was more money out there than that was just in the competitive versus casual. And this yeah. also starts the competitive versus casual gamer. That's yeah, that was the beginnings of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this also kind of so that kind of starts that, and that's where Nintendo or and, the more accurately hardcore versus casual. Yeah, right. Yeah, they, yeah the. Like be competitive casuals. or not competitive, but yeah, right. filthy casuals and all that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, casual versus hardcore. Yeah, which yeah. by the way, I love that video games and gaming as a hobby is so ubiquitous now mm-hmm. that what was considered what what is considered casual today was borderline hardcore back in the early days of the video game industry because mm-hmm. you have people playing stuff on their phone constantly. You got grandmas playing games on Facebook and like World of Warcraft. Everyone and their mother and grandmother is playing that for a while and all this other stuff. You know? Right, and it now, is funny how things have changed. And now you can actually compete. There, esports. Yes, I I've, I had a friend. The concept of esports was not a thing. Well, that was yeah. a punchline like, back yeah. then. Yeah. And now, I mean, yeah, I, although, I although Blockbuster World Video Game Championship. Yeah. Yes. And that, was the, that was the start of that. And Nintendo, <laughs> and Nintendo World Championships before that, too. Yeah. Yes. Let's see, that's where, yeah. But the Wizard, everyone, the Wizard. Yeah. I think that's where, well, okay, the Rock Opera Tommy is where that begins. <laughs> Pinball Wizard. Yep. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, that, there have always been that. But I think that's where we get to the, you know, yeah, I mean, that's, I, where the, that's where the battle line If I can kind of drawn. untangle, if I'm understanding what you're saying there, is that Nintendo basically said, okay, there is, it is a finite market, but if you go about it the right way, it's a much bigger market. Yes. Because right. you can if open you, up the entire yeah. household. If you don't not just, just be like, hey, enthusiasts, early adopters, yeah. buy your stuff. It's like, hey, everyone in America, everyone in the world, buy our stuff. And they, right. and, and that it's has been, that, that is a, and that is a strategy that they have, that they have espoused. For all time, that's why their whole "we would like yeah. to play" uh, right. thing. That was why the Wii printed money. Right, and that's what's so funny is because the closest I think we have to the console wars of the '90s was the console war between the Xbox 360 and the PS3. Meanwhile, Nintendo said, it's "Like, uh, yeah, that's cute. Uh, we're going to just sell a million more consoles. Why? Well, a lot more than a million more. Yeah, <laughs> a jillion more consoles than you guys. Primarily, have fun. primarily to, at a profit, by the way, yeah, not pr- at a loss. Yeah. Primarily to people who." You aren't marketing to right be with with um with bowling, right? Yeah, exactly. Which, which, <laughs> I would say to this day is still extremely entertaining. Wii Sports bowling is amazing. And that game came out in two thousand six, <laughs> right? And and that's the beauty of it is, and I think that's where those battle lines were drawn after that, right? Was casual versus versus mm-hmm. hardcore, and that's why Nintendo, uh, you know, started to win the fourth gen war. It is a fourth gen war or the fifth gen war. It is a fourth generation. It depends yeah, on how you count the generations sense. technically. Traditionally, well, there, yeah, because there's a four four point five fourth generation. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's I think why Nintendo started to win the fourth gen war. But this is where PlayStation came from behind. Yeah. Uh, to win because they made they went to CDs. 
It was, yeah. well, it was more like they, they entered the game late. I wouldn't say it came from behind, because that implies that they are part of it earlier. Right, right. They, they were yeah, behind. They, they came yeah. in later. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they entered in late and made a big splash because their right. software was cheaper to buy. It um, was cheaper to buy. Yeah. And it was CD, easily pirated. CD-ROMs, that was the big change. Yeah, CD-ROMs. Uh, it was and, cartridges. Yeah, because CD-ROMs, you could just they could just print them by the you know by the thousands. But yeah, like yeah. your average Super Nintendo game was like sixty, seventy bucks, mm-hmm. and it was uh, fifty dollars for a, a new PlayStation game at the yep. time. So and they could have difference. probably charged less, but they all they needed to do was under, charge was, less than the competitor. Yeah, it was yeah, charge less. Yeah, I think on one one, it ain't a charity. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and but the other thing is, is that because those CDs were so easily pirated, people would buy. The P- the PlayStation, and knowing they could get bootleg games for cheaper. I don't know how big of a market there was for that though. I don't. Yeah. I think that's a pretty small piece of the puzzle. I, but yeah, I don't think that you're gonna have that. That that was going to be a massive influx. Like, sure, pirating games is like pirating games was damn hard on the on the SNES mm-hmm. um, and on the Genesis because. It's hardware based, yeah, it's and you've yeah, got yeah. lockout chips, and right. you've but got the, the famous anti anti cloned ROM. Uh, ex- example of uh, Earthbound, which uh, it's it's fantastic. If you if you have uh, if you, if you have uh, flashed the ROM onto a onto a flash cartridge for Earthbound, um, it will play on a regular Super Nintendo up until literally the final boss. And as you enter the room that the final boss is in, the game will freeze. And then delete your save game. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> so you can play ninety nine point nine percent of the game, but you can never finish it. But that that brought us to what we were talking about earlier <laughs> while we were waiting was the difference in in the in the um, mascots. Yeah. Well, because I don't think we brought this up in the part where we'd recorded was that. Sega had Sonic one mascot. Yep. Yeah, I mentioned him being all to the extreme yeah. Poochie Dog kind of style, but yeah, as as Neil was talking yeah. about, Mario know. had at least two, and you could probably argue for more, for but at the very yeah. least had two, uh, which were Mario and Link. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, is that also with Mario, um, the whole cast. By now is well known. Yes, They're so ubiquitous. Mario, Luigi, Bowser. By the way, the new C- the new CEO or COO of um, of uh, Nintendo America's last name is Bowser. Right. Yeah, I mentioned uh, that, which is great. In previous episode. Uh, he wasn't there for that though, so I don't know if you if you caught that yet. Uh, but um, yes, I did. As a matter of fact. But yeah, you've got at this point. Yes, now because they have been you know making their first party titles for. 20 some years now every member of their first party titles has uh, has mat, has mass market uh, appeal to the point of in the GameCube launch Mario wasn't even the first game it was Luigi yeah. although Luigi's Mansion kind of piddled yeah. a little bit and yeah. Mario Sunshine really kind of helped save the console but that's beside the point right, but GameCube you, was you, a solid system by the way right but see the entire Mario cast is a is basically yeah. like mascots for Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Everybody fact, who shows up in Mario Party is or Mario Kart at this point is a mascot. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, and then of course you have you know uh, you have Link, mm-hmm. like you like you pointed out. And yeah, those are the two absolute, definitely identifiable mascots. Even though Link mm-hmm. in the Past was actually only the third Zelda game, mm-hmm. and it was just like it like Zelda <laughs> two. We don't talk about Zelda two. Yeah. It was a side scroller that had the name Legend of Zelda on it, and it was yeah. a crappy one in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, it was. It was one. That, yeah, it was. It was a decent game in its, in its own it was right. Super difficult. Yes, but it for was, no good reason. But it was weird. Like it was not oh. what anyone was expecting. But then, also, Nintendo really didn't understand how to do sequels initially because look at Mario, Mario Two, too. which was actually just really was just a, a weird American release board. of Doki Doki Panic. But that's also beside the point. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know why they had they had a weird sequel problem there for they a while. They didn't know how to do sequels initially. Castlevania right. Two is a good sequel, kind of, but it was but it was still hard to figure out what the fuck to do. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess I have to. Qualify Eventually, that, you have so. to go to the beginning map and crouch in the lower right in the lower left hand corner of the screen until a tornado comes to pick you up. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's in Simon's Quest. <laughs> I guess I didn't realize it was that crazy. It's been a while. Also, you have to make sure you have, I want to say, like, two different items in order to do that, and it's not exactly explicitly spelled out that you need to have those things and do that thing to get to Dracula's castle. And Yeah, games can games are often confusing <laughs> yes. back in the day, which is funny considering they had the luxury of these big instruction manuals. I think that that was like the, the whirlwind thing in Simon's Quest was mentioned, I think, in the instruction manual and nowhere else. Well, if you got the game, like, if you borrowed the game or got it from a store or something, you, could you don't have the instruction have been manual. S-O-L. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. That's just weird. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, the uh, Another thing touch on, you talked about how the games were cheaper at PlayStation 1. Um, there is a there is uh, some price competition in the, the console war with... Super Nintendo being two hundred dollars and Sega being just one hundred and ninety—not a huge difference, but you know, a difference. Uh, of course, you know, considering how better the pack and title was for SNES, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's much of a much of a difference there. It's well worth the the difference. Um, there is also a lot of interesting like peripherals and accessories and stuff going on. You had crazy stuff. You had the the multi tap to play four players. The super multi tap. We had that like. Um, so, the console that Rob pretty much exclusively lent us because he had his computer and was fine, um, had a Super Multitap. We only, it, it, we only had five Super Nintendo games, because we didn't buy them because it wasn't our system, it was technically his, on perpetual extended loan. Right. Um, but we had NHL 94, Madden 95... And um, we had Super Bomberman, and I will continue this thought later. You guys keep talking. I'm not going to pause the thing again. <laughs> Let's get that motor checked out there. Okay. We so, yeah. But yeah, and, and the thing All is, right, is cool. that year was uh, the 90s. Everybody say hi to the cable guy. Hi to the cable guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah the 90s. I mean, that was that was also when we had Blockbuster, and you could go rent games. Yeah, well, you yeah, I mean, you'd have like you'd have a multi-tap, and then you'd get a specific game for it, like uh, a big racing game or sports game or something. Yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of opportunities to uh, to do those those multi-tap type games. Um, 
but uh, it was always novel when you did it. Yeah, see, we uh, when, uh, and I, I used to live right down the right down the road from them, and we would like so we'd have we'd have game parties. I guess like you know land parties now. Yeah, we'd all come over. Um, another one of my favorite ones that we had that came out. Um, of course, you could rent the entire system too uh, from uh, from Blockbuster. So, like, uh, we found Gauntlet. Oh we, yes, Gauntlet. Got, uh, How could I forget? That's a perfect example of the multi-tap. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Warrior needs food badly. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, Gauntlet was good times. Oh yeah, Gauntlet. that was one of those games that like the difference between simply playing it two players and playing it four players was huge. Oh, like it was massive. so chaotic. And it was funny too because half of the game was just hurting the cats because you all had to go in the same direction. direction. And you couldn't go too far from each other. Yeah, it's like you're all on these little. (laughs) Yeah, you hit the edge of the screen and your buddy's on the. It's like you've got an electric fence situation going on or something. Right. Electric dog collar, I guess. Right, or one of those classic, you know, you two are connected by those two bracelets. You cannot get more than 20 feet apart. (laughs) Where we blow up. Yeah, the. the accessories uh, were definitely much, uh, much crazier on the on the Sega end of things because they, they did, things where it was like it it was at least supposedly changed the entire system where they had like the 32x and like the Sega CD and uh, <laughs> and that's that's super weird because that was like bridging the gap between the cartridges and then when PlayStation came in yeah. Well, and, and then you had, um, oh, what was I thinking, um, I, um, damn it, I had that thought and it just left, um, because you had the, yeah, you had the, you know, all, oh, okay, Nintendo had its own, you know, really nice set of accessories, too. Yeah, the light guns, you know, and the various things. The Super Scope, the Super it's, Scope uh, 6 was the full name. Don't forget right. to mention Super Nintendo Sp- Power. <laughs> yeah. No power. Um, yeah, of course. And then, and that was something else that we came up with with magazines. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nintendo Power Magazine. Um, and, um, more I'm going to shamelessly advertise. It's more branding than uh, accessory, but still. Exactly. What well, it was, what well, it was, uh, you know, like like we pointed out, it's free advertising for Nintendo. Ooh. And uh, it was free. You didn't have to worry about all you know, page after page after page after of ads because it was one great big ad for Nintendo. Exactly. <laughs> so. But yeah, um, my brother and I subscribed to Nintendo Power for like the longest time, and yeah, we're cognizant that it was a big ad. It was a big ad for it, of course, but it's like. We didn't really care because we got what we wanted out of it. <laughs> exactly, you were getting information about the games you wanted to play. It was it was a combination ad and like uh, game guide and. Well, there's the charm of back then, like before the internet was a thing, you had physical stuff that you would actually like loan and trade with people. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, I beat this game. I don't care anymore. Now my my buddy can just here have my Nintendo Power, and now you know mm-hmm. it was just part of the whole like community thing. You know, it was just right. kind of novel. Of course, I also came from the era where, where some of the ga- some of the uh, computer magazines would have games you could let them program into them. You know, they were very low tech version of the games. So yeah, in Nintendo Power, you could get you know the posters and the you know yep. and didn't they have cheat codes in there? If there was yeah yeah they would have they would have like codes and passwords and stuff. Chris, see that was back before they had actual like 
save points and memory cards and hard drives and stuff. It was just like you would yeah. put in a code to like start at a certain level or whatever. Right. So they'd have stuff like that, and yeah. they'd also have uh, they'd also have challenges. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like one of the earliest challenges was for the original Final Fantasy: beat the game with four white mages for your party. Yeah. <laughs> now that seems a little masochistic, in my humble opinion, because that would take forever. But yeah, know, teach their own, I guess. Yeah, how do you, how do you, yeah, how do you win? We're gonna heal them to death. Well, what's funny at the very end of the game, the like very end, the white there's actually like a baller sword that only the white mage could equip. <laughs> but up until that point, it was just like hitting them with little rods and like yeah. staves bing, and stuff. Bing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we're gonna heal ourselves, hit you for hit point, heal ourselves, hit yeah. you for hit point. It's pretty, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and and. That was also before, I mean, granted, there was, you know, the PC, there were PC games, but they weren't as, we weren't up to, I, I think, I don't think we were up to the point where it was mouse and, mouse and keyboard uh, controlled as much, you know, like FPS. Yeah, yeah, that didn't really... It was, was turn-based, because, like, in this, that was in the, in the area area when Fallout, I think. You started seeing out. some of that with, like, Wolfenstein and Doom and stuff, but it was still very much keyboard yeah. stuff to a, a large degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I remember using a primitive mouse on Doom 2 back in the day. <laughs> and then there were, there were ports of those games on the consoles, which just, you know, it's not the same... Right, exactly. I mean, trying to play something like Doom with a, a Super Nintendo controller is just, ugh, it just didn't really work. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really didn't. Um, and, you know, um, it just, but that's when we started getting, like, uh, most things were isometric uh, for on the PC, you know, were yeah. uh, uh, isometric, kind of top-down. Um, and they were they had to be turn based because everything was too clunky at that point until they developed the whole mouse based um, mouse based situation. Yeah. And well, the thing about the competitive games in the console, everyone had the same stuff. There wasn't variance. It wasn't like oh, well, I have a better I have a better computer hardware or internet connection or it's like an awesome gaming mouse that's more responsive. It's just like everyone had the same friggin' controller. Yeah. It had nothing to do with, like, the specs or whatever. It was just pure skill. There was no advantages or disadvantages in that sense, which, you know, is cool. Um, but, yeah, um, I don't really have a lot of reference for the, um, for, like, Sega's end of, like, magazines and stuff like that. I mean, basically, for me, it was just, like, seeing their ads on TV and stuff like that, and then just, you know, um, right. some people being on Team Sega and, you know, talking smack and stuff, but, right. I, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really have a whole lot of, like, context for it outside of that. I mean, I played, it's not like I didn't play the system, like, I'd have friends that have it and I'd play it yeah. at friends' houses, and uh, there's an occasional, like, display at, like, a store, like, I, I, I remember playing... Sonic the Hedgehog at a display at Sam's Club back in the day. Right, when they and, had uh, and they had yeah. they had stuff like that at Toys R Us too, and Toys R Us was big. When they had a, existed. Yeah, well, apparently it's coming back as some rebranding thing or whatever, but it's pretty. You know, it's not. I mean, yeah. in name only, it's not going to be the same thing. But right. But yeah, um, 
well, I remember, you know, playing Mario 64 when it was brand new uh, at a Toys R Us display, and that blew my friggin' mind. Because that was the first real 3D platformer, and it was amazing. Right. Uh, which owes, you know, which owes much of its gameplay and design to your much maligned analog stick. <laughs> that's what made it work. Yeah, but, you know, still. I don't... Um... I still don't like the analog stick. Trying to traverse 3D in a D-pad doesn't work very well. Exactly, exactly. What I, I think the thing that, that messes it up for me um, is that usually the analog stick, um, you're, you're, you're moving your mouse around within your screen, and you have to move that within another set of controls than some, some of the ones I've had. Or, like if you're playing Fallout, your, your screen's moving, and I just don't have the fine control for that. You mean like adjusting the camera as you adjust the movement at the same time messes yeah. you up? Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of it's implementation. There, there are games that do it uh, better yeah. than others. Um, yeah. yeah, it can be a little clunky sometimes. And of course, there are the growing pains too because when I first All right, everybody, started being say a thing, <laughs> when I first started being a thing, they had to kind of figure out as they went how yeah. to really do analog controls properly. It was about sixteen minutes by the left. Yeah. Okay, so I think, uh, you know, because I think we've covered kind of what brought, you know, kind of brought that about, but one of the things I wanted to cover back to what we were talking about, I think one of the reasons that the that the console wars became the console wars outside of, you know, because the, like we talked about earlier, the, the, the companies are like, yeah, competition is fun, yay, you know, but their, their whole thing is more for everybody, yeah. as opposed to... You know, don't you dare play, you know, another game. You know, it's more, you know, more for everybody to play. So, um, I think the, the big thing about it uh, is that um, it really comes down to players making an emotional investment yeah. in the game that they have, in the game that they have, right. and having to be happy with that. And thus, yeah. their system has to be better than someone yeah, else's. Yeah, my... Well, I couldn't play Sonic, so Sonic sucks. Exactly. Well, I mean, the, yeah, it's not a coincidence that uh, most of this was targeted at kids and engaged in by kids. So, of course, it is a childish thing that we all go look yeah. back on and go, that was silly and childish because it was literally childish. Yeah. Right. Children well, were engaging in it. Well, and they, <laughs> yeah. they had to, now, sadly, they... those same children grew up into adults and some of them didn't grow out of it. Yeah. But it's much less, it's to a much less degree now when people are like making fun of a different company or whatever, like, oh, well, Sony sucks or Microsoft sucks or whatever, is yeah. a shadow of what it was in the 90s. Yeah. Right. And that's the significance of it is that like this is like. Lightning in a bottle, where like this one, this one matchup of Super NES and uh, Genesis for the most part uh, mm -hmm. was just this crazy thing that just kept going back and forth like ping pong with the, the ads and the jokes and the you know puns and everything. And stuff. I remember because yeah. uh, you mentioned to mention Nintendo Power, which was an amazing. And now you're playing with power. I still say to this day the best gaming magazine ever. Um, I don't know. I really liked Electronic Gaming Monthly. <laughs> I'm still privy to Nintendo, Nintendo Power. I like that magazine too, but Nintendo Power is still my favorite. Well, but, and, and and you know the thing is, is that at you know at no point were the CEOs ever anything but congenial with each other, fans of each other's work. You know. Hey, have you played? It's like yeah, it's like having uh, having freaking. Um, 
Motherfucker, I can't think of his name. Uh, what? Uh, Bill Gates? No. Steve Jobs? No. What position are the we talking? President of Nintendo. Tim Cook. No. That's the president of oh, Nintendo. 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 I was thinking Apple. Sorry. You mean the guy that got replaced by Bowser? No. That was Reggie fils The guy who created Mario and Zelda. You mean Shigeru Miyamoto? Yes, thank you. I could not yeah, think of like Shigeru Miyamoto. He's Nintendo guy. Yes. I don't know how you forget that. I could not <laughs> think of his name. You're Mr. Japanese, you know, yes. anime culture. Yeah, I guy. just could not think of Shigeru Miyamoto. <laughs> All I could think of was Satoru Iwata, which I knew was wrong. Yeah. Because he was the president of Nintendo. And, like, really cool. But, um, but like, no. Shigeru Miyamoto, um, it, it's like, you know, if anyone asks, Hey, Shigeru, have you ever played... Uh, Sonic, you probably would have been like, yeah, it's a great game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's he was kind of he was he in a, in a sense he was a he was a bit of a Willy Wonka figure, well, uh, in, not not in a irresponsible or unhinged kind of way like Wonka was, but like in a just like pure love of the yes, know, yeah. pure love of the game and the industry instead. Like, he, and I, and I think he, he is he is the he's an example of someone who grew up but didn't allow themselves to become a grown up. Right. Grew up and not grow, did not grow old. Yes. Because he's definitely child-like. still a child at heart. Childlike yeah. without being childish. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, yeah. And, and the thing is, is that, um, yeah, I mean, we are we are all, even as adults, you know, because the console wars have their, you know, Ford versus Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Chevy owners know that Ford means fix or repair daily. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, Ford owners, you know, uh, you know, have their own thing, and I just that's the only you know. I drive a Toyota because they don't fall apart. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, Toyota. Toyota. Yeah, uh, drive, drive a Subaru if I drive a Toyota. <laughs> um, but you know, I think a lot of it comes down to yeah, we have an emotional investment. What we do, we want to be right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's that's what really because I mean the marketing campaigns. Like, I guess you could say they were the spark, but, like, mm-hmm. what continued it was the reaction and the word of mouth amongst the kids arguing over which system is better and how this mm-hmm. game is better than that and what you have sucks, what I yeah. have is awesome. Right. And uh, that that's what really got it. Yeah. It's the longevity was the response to it. Because, obviously, if you start an advertising campaign and it doesn't work, you're not going to keep throwing money at it. You're going to just stop it and try something that's else. That's why they stopped trying to market new Coke after a while. That's why they stopped making yeah. new Coke after a while. <laughs> um, well, that's because it yeah. I, I always talk about... Uh, I, 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 like to, I like to frame things this way. Um, the console wars are kind of stupid, but the reason, I, the reason I always... I will select Super Nintendo as my preferred combatant in, there, in that is, <laughs> the, is, is the, the question is, if you could... If you were stuck on deserted island that somehow had electricity... Yeah, and you could only have a single video game console to take with you, and its library. Which console would you choose? My answer is the Super Nintendo. Right. Yeah, that's my main thing as well. And uh, if I were stuck on a desert island and all I had was the Sega Genesis and all in its library, I would not be disappointed because I could still do, kill time with that. Right. But it would not be my yeah. preferred choice. I mean, for me, it, it comes down to. You know what? What device has more and better games, and what device, and mainly better quality, is more important than quantity. But yeah. you know, selection and quality of the games, and then 
the and then the method in which you play them, like the controller and how things yeah. are set up. So, I mean, I was Super Nintendo in a sense by default because uh, we grew up playing the Nintendo and we loved it, and Super Nintendo is what we got from yeah. our parents. But yeah. then, I, you hmm. know, I it's not like I... I wasn't one of those people who were like, oh, well, this is what I have, therefore it must be the coolest. Yeah, it, I actually had friends that had Segas, and I played Segas, and I played a lot of different games, <laughs> and I, I compared everything. I'm like, you know what? I, Sega's great, but I do prefer Super Nintendo. I think the controller's better. I think the packing game's better. Mm -hmm. It has the Mario and Link games, which are both amazing. It had Star Fox. It had Donkey Kong Country. Mm -hmm. It had Mario Kart. It had uh, all these amazing games. Yeah. And, and a lot more RPGs, the Final Fantasy series. I mean, it was just hands down for me. And then there's a lot of games that were great on Sega as well. Um, the Sonic series, uh, uh, Vector Man was pretty cool. Uh, Comic Zone was really good and hard as nails. Yeah, you know, super hard, but it, it didn't feel hard in a cheap way. It, no, it was yeah, just it, actually challenging. It it, it's one of those. Off. It's one of those classic tough but fair games like right, Dark right. Souls. In the Fantasy Star series, uh, mm -hmm. it was great. Um, there's a lot of interesting games on Sega, and I did, and of course, you know, Blood Code, Mortal Kombat. So mm -hmm. you know, I have a lot of and, nostalgia there. <laughs> and of course, um, Zero Wing. Oh yes. If, sure. if we didn't have the Sega Genesis, then we would never have had that meme. All your base are belong to us, but not have been a thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> Instead, I guess we would have had the random guy with a banjo on Phalanx. Oh, and also, just this by the way, look up the box art for Phalanx yeah, yes, at some I, point. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, um, I, for some reason, uh, when it comes to puzzle games like Tetris and stuff, I just really like columns. I love columns. I don't know why. It's kind of an obscure thing. But Sega had columns, which is like a Tetris knockoff, but there's just something about it that's so satisfying. Yeah. I love that game. Oh, and Golden Axe. Oh, yeah, had Golden, Golden Axe, Axe games. Um, Sega had a lot more arcade ports because Sega was primarily an arcade company. Right, actually. right. Yeah, they had some pretty um, sweet ports. Oh, and the Shinobi games, those were dope. Yep. I love the Shinobi games. Um, and Shadow Dancer is the first one was called. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as puzzle games go, you had the difference between Tetris Attack on... Uh, that was a good one too. Which is a really good game, and the uh, and the Bust a Move games on uh, on Bubble Bobble. Yep, on Super uh, on uh, on Genesis, and then yep. later on Xbox or not Xbox, P PlayStation. Yep. Um, with the Bubble Bobble mascots, indeed. Um, so uh, one uh, one interesting thing that uh, I don't think we got to touch on too much was a little bit, and I'll, we got like five minutes left, so I'll mention it uh, briefly. Was a lot of people, when they talk about the console wars and try to nail down who was the best, they look at hardware specs. Oh, yeah, right. Um, and Super Nintendo did have better hardware specs, but you know what had better hardware specs than either of those? The Neo Geo system or the 3DO. Mm -hmm. And so if you're just looking purely at hardware... Um, TurboGrafx-16. TurboGrafx-16 actually had some pretty impressive hardware. So did the Atari Bitch Jaguar. Is a bonk. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't go make fun of the Bonk games. Those are fun and really, like, whoever wrote them was on shrooms. Um, <laughs> but it's all about the game. It's all the about day. the library, and, you, and you're not going wrong with either of those systems, for, to, to be sure. But for my money, the Super Nintendo is maybe the best, it has maybe the best system and library that has ever existed of video game consoles. It has Final Fantasy VI, I'm not, the artist formerly known as Final Fantasy III. Yeah, yes. I am not I'm, I'm not including in that comparison, Ben, uh, PC. I'm talking about video game consoles. Oh, yeah. Because PC, 
wins. Um, just because of the sheer, because there, even even though the, you talk about its its quality over quantity, the fact of the matter is there is so much more quantity on PC that there is a whole lot more quality on PC too. Right. Yeah. Well, and thanks to the law of large numbers. Well, that in Windows. You know, basically, Microsoft said you won't make it for for PC. You know, and mm-hmm. you have people making adaptations for shit left, right, and sideways. Yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, the console wars. You know, the the companies were like, yeah, whatever. Just as long as more people play. Yeah. And and, and that's think, fully epitomized by the fact that Sega doesn't even make consoles anymore. They just make games. Yeah. Yep. And and. The the other the thing is though with with consoles well, partially that's because the Dreamcast tanked but that's beside right. the point. Well, also you know like with Xbox, um, you know you've got if you have Xbox, Xbox makes a game you can play it. With PC, if you have a PC, you have to worry about if your PC can handle that game. Or and and or with older and also now with older games you also have to worry if your game if that game can handle your PC. Exactly. Yeah, I mean you um, have like. You have operating systems and technical specs and all sorts of stuff going yeah. on there, and that was that's the one thing that consoles always have over PCs. That's why despite DOSBox is such an amazing emulator. D- despite PC being the master race, despite PC being superior uh, in general, mm-hmm. uh, in all of our humble opinions, it would appear. Uh, <laughs> the uh, there's still something to be said for. I get a game, I fire it up, and it just works. Yes. I don't have to dick around with all this stuff and worry there, about that, that's, everything That's else. actually part of why I bought my PS4. Yeah. Right, was you because I, your settings. Yeah. Your, your, yeah. I would like to be able to come in, come home... Installing it. ...and press... Well, <laughs> nowadays, okay, yeah. they're basically glorified PCs, so... I, I But I like being able to <laughs> come home at the end of the day and yeah. press one button, yeah. hear that beep... And have it'll actually turn my TV on here in a second too, so I'm gonna need to kind of make that sure that doesn't happen. But um, and know that I can just sit down and play a game. I don't have to like. Yeah. I don't have to worry about my internet connection because I don't play online games on, on my PS4. Um, there is a lot of there's a lot to be enjoyed with. Um, well, the with consoles, consoles as a whole served an important function of mainstreaming video gaming because. Anybody could just do that. Anybody mm-hmm. could just flip a switch, press a button, and play. Yep. And that's what got people into it. And then as people started getting more like tech literate with that kind of stuff, just in general and games specifically, then it wasn't so much of a gap to bridge to get people to play PC games and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, final takeaways in the, the console war. The console wars were stupid. They were. They were. They were silly time. Yeah, they were a silly time. But you know what? They they also. I think they taught us a lot about who we were as gamers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, as it was happening, I didn't really, you know. Yeah. Well, I, as I it was really happening care. to a certain extent, also, I also didn't really participate in the console wars because, yes, we had Rob's uh, Super Nintendo when he didn't want it, which was often. Um, but um, actually, pre- but in terms of. Ownership. Uh, my family sat out second gen. Yeah. Um, I bought an N6. I got. I specifically worked a paper route to be able to buy my N64 and all of the games that we owned on it. But did you ever get Paperboy 64? 
No, because that game was horrible. <laughs> I, I just think that would be a that, hilarious yeah. symmetry. Yeah, that was part of a, a renting bundle or some such. I, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I want my, my time back. I want my time uh-huh, back. Man. At no, least we, it's not Superman 64. We rented Quest 64 like three Ooh, times, though. I'm sorry. That game was terrible. Yes, it was. <laughs> it wasn't Superman 64 levels of terrible, but there are a few games that are Superman 64 I levels of terrible. I still remember to this day, Nintendo <clears throat> Power's review of that game compared it to going to the dentist. Oh man! And that's the and that's the magazine that you own that is that honestly <laughs> it exists to sell your stuff. Hey, yeah. as, as far as my memory serves, despite being a young, fresh face, fresh faced, impressionable lad, I never really saw anything that seemed to be like shilling or insincere in the reviews of the various games. Like every, I don't, I can't remember a single time that I disagreed it, with. It one probably of wasn't games. all that much of a shill, but it still was the fact that. Uh, it's the it's it's the no uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity thing. Yeah. The fact that you got to see this cool game on paper makes you really want to see it on your TV. That's how it was an advertisement. That's how it was an advertisement on because it was actually owned and run by Nintendo as, as well. Right. Well, yeah, that, that was no secret. I mean, I'm just saying. Seeing the game get like a three out of ten didn't make me want to see it on my TV. There is that. <laughs> Although I, I, I think I, I rented it out of morbid curiosity, and oh, because I was so, so amazing, and I was so that. starved for an RPG. That was the thing. This Nintendo sixty four did not have any RPGs. It did later in its life. Paper yeah, Mario later. was a really good. RPG. At the time, it didn't. Yeah, I didn't have a time machine. Anyway, console wars are silly. Going forward, yeah, very slowly. That's the that's Step the takeaway here. It was a silly time. It was a silly time. Uh, we are now pretty much out of time, speaking of silly time. Um, right. Next time we will talk to you about something else. Maybe right. movie trailers. That sounded like fun. Yeah. Um, yeah we have, we have that'd be down. Things. Yeah. Movie trailers, bad memes. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we're probably going to go, run, uh, run away from... Or not run away, but start leaning away from uh, doing full episode reviews of, uh, of single movies in the future unless it's a really big title. Right. And we're probably going to start moving more towards like rapid fire like yep. review four movies in one episode <laughs> episodes. Yeah, it's more like impressions mm-hmm. you know, than like a full on review. Yeah. Unless we all see a movie and collectively say, okay, we gotta do an episode on this one. Yeah, every once in a while something <laughs> comes along and you gotta take time to do it right. Yeah. So just like any other thing. You know, swip it. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, but yeah, so we probably won't be re- re- reviewing uh, Captain Marvel next time. I'll give you my two cent review right now, which was it was worth seeing. Um, I'd, I'd be willing to go see it again. I'd probably even be willing to pay to see it, to go see it again. But at the same time, I'm not like jonesing to see it again, so. Yep. It's a good six and a half, seven out of ten. I don't like to do out of ten ratings very much, but <laughs> yeah, I'm shocked that you volunteered that. that it's it like it it defies you to quantify your weird feeling about it. It defies my standard odd rating metric, right? Which is would you would recommend I want it to your father? Yeah, well, no, I probably wouldn't recommend it to my father. Well, isn't no, that my, your my my stand, no my. My metric for a great movie is would my father enjoy this with me too. A great comic book movie okay. is would my father enjoy this too. Got it. No, but my, my metric is typically would I pay to see it again? Yeah. And and, and and if the answer is no, do I even want to ever see it again? Yeah. Like, would I turn down a free ticket to this movie? 
do I never want to see it again? Do I regret my time? It's do I regret my time? Um, do I just never want to see this movie again? Would I turn down a free ticket? Not exactly a simple system. But yeah, okay. it's complicated. I'll, I'll write out a blog post at some point uh, because now we're we're dragging on. Uh, okay. Next time we'll talk about something else. This has been Neil, Player One, True Ben, and hey, I was Player One before. I know it's my turn. Mike, Player Two, temporarily. Yep. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on Geek Anthology. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter H and the number 73. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media. Also, please send us an email or leave us a comment. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate us. This helps immensely in getting the word out. Also, if you are interested, please check out our Twitter and Facebook pages for links to interesting things, like our Discord, as well as semi-regular updates. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us, either by making a one-time donation on our website or a reoccurring one on Patreon at patreon.com slash working theory. A final thought. Neil's internet has been spotty recently, and that's why this episode was a week late. Next week's episode, we hope, should be on time.